Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Heidi Dulabon about how empathy, etiquette, and empowerment impact leadership development. Heidi Dulabon, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted to be with you. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm really excited to have the chance to chat. Uh, you're, you hail from Tennessee, and I'm here in Utah. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun as we explore together today how empathy, etiquette, and empowerment impact leadership development. Now, you're an etiquette guru, and I'm not sure how often people think about the role of etiquette and leadership development. Uh, obviously, it's just one piece, uh, but I, I think it's a really interesting perspective, and I think you'll you'll have a lot to add to this conversation around effective leadership and leadership development. As we get started, I wanted to share Heidi's bio with everybody. Heidi Dulabon is an international etiquette coach, social activist, and speaker. She helps build careers, teams, and leaders by teaching a new kind of etiquette, how to master social codes, and when to subvert them. Her early career taught her that successfully navigating the social codes that shape how we live, work, and interact with each other can be very empowering, create tangible career advancement opportunities, and enhance an individual's personal and professional life. As such, her corporate career was filled with firsts. She was the first female grain trader at Conagra, and she was the first woman to make to manage a major U.S. grain exporting facility. Later, she trained as an international etiquette and protocol consultant and instructor at the International Etiquette and Protocol Academy of London, England. And today, Heidi dedicates herself to teaching American and international etiquette to those who might otherwise be excluded from a host of opportunities. She also works with teams and business leaders to ensure they're not blinded by their own social codes and can embrace and develop the best talent. Uh, I love it. I, th I think that's really fascinating. I'm excited to hear more about your background, how you got into this line of work and, and your area of focus. And then really, you know, what, what are the things we need to be thinking about as leaders so that we can be more effective and we don't inadvertently kind of shoot ourselves in the foot, so to speak, uh, as we're trying to open up doors and, and create new opportunities, both for ourselves and for our teams. Sounds terrific. Yes, thank you very much. And as we get started, Heidi, is there anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background or personal context? No, thank you very much. You've been very generous. Enough about me. So thank you. Okay, wonderful. Well, so let's let's just dive on in with um, how you got into this work. You talk a little bit about your own uh, professional career leading up to this. Uh, why etiquette? And maybe we can start with even defining etiquette. And then why etiquette? Why did you get into this work? Well, etiquette to me, etiquette is a vast subject. Um, it is a lot more than knives and forks. 
people hear etiquette and all, all of a sudden they're clutching their pearls and it's knives and forks. And uh, actually it, there is that element and it is important in certain contexts, but uh, it is a lot more than that. But at its core, to me, etiquette is really about respect, appreciation and kindness. It's truly about treating others the way you want to be treated. It really boils down to that. It's that simple. Yeah, well, and you just shared the golden rule. And, and sometimes we talk about the platinum rule, do unto others as they would have you do unto them. And I think that might even be a slightly more fitting uh, for the role of etiquette. I think I've spent a, a, a large amount of time in Asian countries and etiquette is hugely important. There's lots of cultural significance to how you interact with people. And, you know, while they'll probably give you, I'm a white guy, so I show up and I, I have a faux pas, I do something wrong, they'll probably give me a pass. Uh, it's not going to like end the business relationship. But when I show them that I've done the work of trying to understand them and their culture and understand the etiquette that's involved with how to deal uh, in those situations, uh, it shows that I'm honoring them. It shows that I appreciate them, that I value them. And then that, you know, sets you apart from other people who maybe aren't putting forth that effort. I concur completely. Absolutely. Uh, I have studied a lot about um, cultural competence. I, I have a master's degree in it from a school in Brussels. It's enormously important to me. Um, right before the pandemic, I was thrilled that I was able to study the Lewis model of culture with Richard D. Lewis himself at his beautiful home, Riversdown House, out south of London. We left this marvelous training and then it was the global lockdown. So I feel so fortunate. And it's, it's incredibly important to me because we want to be respectful as we're doing business or maybe you're just interacting with people. I have my neighbors here, I'm in East Tennessee and I have neighbors from around the world living next to me. And in your everyday life, I just believe it's about being respectful and especially with other cultures. Uh, I work with a lot of business leaders that are working now um, virtually, but we used to be getting on planes, probably will again sometime. And you want to be respectful and you want, because you want to be successful and productive, you want to do the business you've come to do, but you want to do this with respect and learning a little bit about another culture, it can help explain, well, as you're saying in some Asian cultures, why they say yes, but they mean no. And some other cultures, I think of Finland, for example, uh, they can be very, very quiet as can some Asian cultures. There's a lot of similarities between those two cultures. And some people will mistake silence, which is actually a sign of respect, as disapproval and you couldn't be further um, more wrong however without some sort of understanding and um, at least as a, and an appreciation you would misconstrue and maybe not be as successful so i agree with you so much on on being a, if not culturally competent at least culturally aware yeah excellent uh so for many reasons that you, that you just mentioned and that we'll continue to highlight as we go through our conversation, cultural competence, for example, uh, etiquette is, is hugely important. Now, I have to admit, as you were starting off, you know, you mentioned how a lot of people, when they hear the word etiquette, they think of like meal etiquette, sitting down at the table, which fork to pick up first and where to put your napkin and, you know, those types of things. And that's honestly the first thing that pops into my mind, too. Uh, I've sat through those types of trainings before. Um, and 
you know, I have to admit, like, I, I get why it's important, but I also wish it wasn't. Um, <laughs> I, I wish people didn't care, but but they do. Um, well, cert in certain contexts, they do, right? And so it's it's all about just navigating the context that you're in, uh, in, in, like you said, showing respect uh, to those around you. And, and so it's, it, I think it's a, it's a good thing to, to try to balance. Um, one thing that I try to do with my team uh, is I, I want it to be a psychologically safe and very comfortable place where people can be their genuine, authentic self, where they don't have to feel like there's all these extra kind of unwritten rules of like etiquette and, and how to behave in order to like fit into the team and be a, a productive part of the group. So on the one hand, in my team, that's something I can control. Um, you know, I can set the tone, I can kind of try to create that culture. That's the kind of dynamic that I'm going to try to foster. Um, but I don't have that control when I go out and I interface with other people in other organizations, or in, you know, certain contexts. And so in that situation, I have a choice. Like I can either, you know, say, ah, it doesn't matter and just act however I want to act and then let the consequences follow. Or I can recognize that other people have different norms. Other people have different values and, and elements that they deem important. And on, you know, on the one hand, I can kind of spit in their face and say, you know, figuratively spit in their face and say, ah, this is stupid. It doesn't matter. Or I can actually say, no, you know, it's important to them. So it's going to be important to me, at least for this evening, for this meal, for this event, whatever. Oh, absolutely. I think you really need to be able to read the room. And I work with, uh, my team is in Chicago, my hometown. They're young. I was with them last week and uh, for some events. And they're like, well, does etiquette really matter? You know, and I think, well, you know, I make a case that etiquette is in everything we do. I mean, we're practicing etiquette right now. Uh, you're kind enough to have me as a guest on your show and you're being a great active listener listening to me and I hope I'm giving you the same respect and, and really listening, which is a skill that, oh, everybody's a great listener. Well, really few are, you know, so etiquette is in everything you do. You know, in business, you cannot be an effective change agent and be agile if you aren't employing some etiquette, you can't be persuasive. You, you need to have, bring in some sort of kindness and uh, empathy. Your emotional intelligence needs to be high, which is luckily something we can work on, unlike your IQ. So etiquette really comes into all of these things, in, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and something you just said kind of cut me a little bit because I recognized uh, well, you define yourself in part as a social activist, and that's that's something that I define myself as as well. That's a label that I, I would gladly wear, and you know, I would love for people to think of me that way. Um, but there's there, there's a time to be bold in your social activism, and then there's another time where you're strategic and pragmatic in trying to be effective and impactful, right? And I think you know, I've had situations in organizations where I see an inequity or I see an injustice, right? Or I, or I notice something that needs to be corrected because people are being hurt by it. Now, I, there's a bunch of ways I can approach that. And my first inclination is to throw etiquette to the wind and say, you know, that doesn't matter right now. People are being hurt. Now I'm going to come plowing in. I'm going to be, you know, a bull in a China shop and kind of bust things up and try to disrupt and, and, and get things to, to stop. That's kind of my inclination, but the reality is, and, and I have to admit, sometimes 
that's what I do. And it's probably not very effective. Um, the reality is if I want to, if I'm pragmatic and I want to actually be impactful, if I want to influence those that I'm working with who are in power positions um, that I don't have, then, you know, you got to figure out a way to play the game and do it. You know, you can still raise issues and speak up and speak out, <clears throat> but you have to do it in a way uh, that has a better chance of landing where people will hear you without getting too defensive and where you can, you know, bring the conversation forward. And, you know, sometimes I do that. Okay. But I have to admit, you know, as I'm reflecting, sometimes, you know, I probably am, am not paying as much attention to that as I really should. And so then I'm not being as impactful as I otherwise could be. And so I, I think in part that comes back to this etiquette um, point that you're making that etiquette beyond, you know, um, shining your shoes and having a, you know, a, a nicely pressed shirt and where your forks go at the dinner table, but etiquette more broadly understood as the, the social norms, the social codes, as you put it, and how important it is to recognize and understand that uh, as a part of emotional agility and emotional intelligence, then that will be a part of, of a holistic kind of a, uh, an effective leadership profile that will allow you to just have wield more influence, right? Be more effective in how you go about doing your work. Um, but, but, you know, I, I, as I'm saying that, it's a hard thing to do. And I recognize that I probably uh, will succumb to human nature and again, be like a bull in the China shop, you know, when perhaps a more delicate approach might be more effective. Well, yes, we're all human after all. And, and yeah, we are emotionally intelligent and we recognize our emotions. We're keeping them in check. But sometimes we lapse. We are, we're just humans. And, and when we lapse, it's, uh, you know, fix it and forget it. You know, don't dwell on it. You can rebound from that. But yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you're saying that once you sort of look at, you see something, you don't like what's happening, try to imagine why are they doing what they're doing? You know, read the room, employ all of these skills, and then maybe you approach it differently than you'd like to at first blush where, you know, your first inclination is, yeah, be the bull in the china shop. It's mine too, but you have, it's, it's hard. Sometimes I, I'm not successful at it. And, but, but we're just, like I said, we're just human and we're just still trying but at the core, if you can just remember to be respectful, that will help you guide through some of these tough situations, especially when you see things that are just not fair and you, you really wanna help and you should help. And um, so I applaud you for that. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, bluer than indigo leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership 
will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Yeah, well, and you did, you talk about the ease in your work, um, empathy, etiquette, and empowerment. Maybe we can talk a little bit more about that. But, but one of the things you've already referred to briefly is this um, the importance of empathy, right? So part of emotional intelligence and part of uh, reading the room, as you say, is to be generous towards those that you're interacting with and have some empathy for their position. And, and so, for example, if there's an organizational inequity, um, how much of that is structural and how much of that is related specifically to the choices of that individual person, say that individual leader? Uh, that's an important distinction to make because it can allow you to have more understanding and more empathy and come and be with them a little bit differently when you're trying to have those difficult conversations. So if I can recognize like, yeah, something wrong happens. Someone was hurt. There's an inequity that needs to be corrected but it was no, nobody's ill intention. Nobody set out to try to hurt that person, uh, but it's a systemic failure of the organization due to some policy, practice, procedure, whatever. If I can remember that and recognize that, then I can go to that person and, and, and at least give them the benefit of the doubt so that we can have a, a conversation without me judging them, them feeling judged, them getting defensive, them um, you know, feeling like they have to double down uh, when in reality, they might agree with me and they just may feel like their hands were tied due to policies or, or whatever. Uh, and so, but when you can actually have that conversation with empathy, then you might be able to come, to, you know, be creative and come to a solution that can be satisfactory to everybody. Um, but when, when that empathy is lacking, uh, usually it's, it's going to derail, you know, the impactfulness, the, the effectiveness of any kind of conversation you're trying to have. Uh, and that, whether it's a business negotiation, a sales pitch, you know, trying to disrupt a, a, an equitable system, whatever, right? It, it, that empathy is gonna be really important. Can you tell us a little bit more about your focus on empathy and how that's important for you? Oh, yes, I'm working with um, many business leaders right now. Um, and empathy is an incredibly huge part of what they're having to do, especially coming out of this pandemic. Um, it's been, everyone's been working remotely. Now we're talking about hybridly. Some team members do not want to come back in the office. How are we going to handle that? It's a real issue right now. And it's an issue for families. Um, I work with some young emerging leaders that we really don't want to go back to the office. We're more productive. You know, the research is, is, is clear. People are more productive, generally speaking, at home. And I don't want to go to the office, but yet the organization is saying, listen, we want everybody back in at least, okay, let's compromise two or three days. And empathy, if you're not empathetic in these situations, um, you're going to start losing people and organizations are. People are just leaving. And this is going to cost you some real talent um, and maybe you're going to, I'm just hearing that some uh, firms are maybe even increasing salaries to try to keep people. So you have to be an empathetic leader, but that does not mean you're a weak leader. I think sometimes that gets misconstrued. I, I believe that you need to lead with kindness. 
That is not a weakness. I think it's actually a real asset. So people are bringing, you know, you hear this, the whole self to work. Well, we've all been in everybody's living rooms for the past 18 months. You know, the curtain's been pulled back. We're all exposed, like it or not. And so you do have to understand where they're coming from. Okay, well, they're having some things at home. And I understand as long as they're productive, maybe I need to give them a little bit of a break. You know, if we're thinking differently than we did before this pandemic and empathy and kindness are gonna lead us out of this. With strength, you, you, that doesn't mean, you know, I think that's so important. People ask me that all the time. Well, if I do that, I'm gonna be a weak leader. Well, no, not at all. You still have to be objective. You still have to meet your goals. This is a business but you can be a little more understanding and maybe figure out different ways that are maybe a little bit more um, unconventional or not the norm that you had before to still get yeah. the job done. Yeah, it absolutely does not mean being a doormat to people, right? Um, effective leadership starts on the premise of building trust with your people, and that is built upon mutual accountability. Uh, with your people, right? Accountability both ways. And so uh, you're not a doormat, but it's just showing understanding and empathy as you're building trust with them and inter interpersonal trust, institutional trust. And ultimately uh, that will build accountability uh, and, and everyone will, will be able to perform at a higher level. And this actually feeds really nicely into the other E. Uh, we talked a lot about etiquette already, but empowerment, um, it's, it's really hard probably impossible to truly empower other people if you don't trust them, if there's no mutual accountability. Um, and it's hard to show empathy to people. I mean, one of the reasons why people micromanage when there's, and there's no trust there, uh, there's no real um, accountability other than you standing over their shoulder, micromanaging them, watching them each, you know, every moment of every day to make sure they're doing what you want them to do. There's no empathy there. There's no understanding because your people in a micromanaging kind of control, command and control kind of a leadership style, they're simply, you know, automatons doing your bidding. They're like robots doing the, the work. And so that's not the world we live in. We live in a knowledge economy where people need to be creative and innovative and where leaders don't have all of the expertise that is represented in their team. And so you have to be able to build upon the skills, the expertise, the competencies and capabilities of your team that only happens through empowerment and empowerment can only happen through showing sincere, genuine empathy to build that trust and accountability. Absolutely. I completely agree. And once you you're saying earlier that example of um, people at work having this conflict, trying to be in a safe place that they can discuss this. And I believe that to empower your people, you need to have this culture, this culture where it's, it's safe. I, I'm not going to lose my job if I voice my opinion in a respectful manner. We can have this conversation and it's all. And so this once you've established this culture, your your team can be empowered. And I, I believe it should be a culture rather than just some program. Okay, I took that training. Okay, that's great. And, and nobody believes it. It's not, um, it, it's not systemic. It is not a culture with the organization. And to truly be empowered, yes, you want to build your employees. And without trust, as you say, you're going to get no place. So you have to have this. And, um, and for retention, uh, it is tough out there to find good people. And you want to keep them once you find them. 
And so for, for this, you need to empower them and they need to feel that they're empowered and respected and heard. Even when they um, have a, um, an opposing opinion, it's still, maybe it's a good one. You know, everyone yeah. needs to be able to voice it. Yeah, and I would say, especially when they have an opposing opinion, uh, it's really important for for because that's where the rubber meets the road in terms of you know we can say all day long that we want a psychologically safe place we want everyone to contribute we want people to push back on us we you know uh, we don't want to be you know in a echo chamber and we want the diverse input of, of people around us we can say that all day long but if the first time someone speaks up we are punitive towards them in some way, then of course that's going to shut it all down. And so uh, it's especially important then to demonstrate your understanding, your empathy, listen uh, attentively, like you were saying, active listening, and just making sure that you seek to understand, and then look for that kernel of truth or the nugget that can be highlighted, um, that you can build off of to drive positive change for the team, for the project, whatever. Uh, and and make it a win situation, even if most of what the person said, you know, may be out of context, not completely applicable, whatever, still look for that opportunity to, to leverage it and to build off of it. Um, I, I know we're getting close to the end of time, but I did have one more question I wanted to ask you before we close. And that is, you know, with your focus on etiquette, uh, why do you think it's important for us to view leadership development through an etiquette lens? Why is that an important uh, perspective to have as we're trying to continually develop ourselves? Uh, I have found throughout my career that uh, I used to think I had all the best ideas. I, I was it. I didn't, I just came in fresh, young, here's what we're going to do. And sort of the carrots and sticks, if we don't do this, we're going to have to close this facility, you know, so everybody do this, what I'm saying. And I learned quickly that that was a terrible way to manage and that uh, I employed some of these skills such as listening and the respect, just these core elements of etiquette. When I was um, in my grain career as in, and in business, I kept seeing people that were really smart. You know, you get to a certain level, everybody's smart, everybody's talented at a certain level. But why do some people just seem to soar and, and others are stymied, others just stall? And I kept seeing this, this gap and this missing piece were, were all these what I'm calling social codes, the, this empathy and, and etiquette, if you will, as a sign of respect and, and the golden rule, really, and, um, and cultural intelligence working with global teams. And, once, and so I thought I, I had a passion for that. I grew up with a British mother who employed all the traditional etiquette things. And, and I thought, I have these skills. I would love to work with people. And this, this is how I have I've devoted the rest of my professional career here for this. And I, I love it. And it is important for all business people to, to, list, to understand you really need, just ask. Maybe someone has a great idea, ask them and then listen to them with respect, create these cultures of safe places where people can voice any opinion because you never know when someone's gonna have a great opinion. And if you do all of this, you're gonna retain your people, they're gonna help you recruit more great people and you're gonna be more productive. And frankly, everybody else is gonna be happier. And you know, while we're all working, it's nice to be happier people as well. And it's healthier if you're happier. Absolutely. Amen to everything you just said. 
Heidi, it has just been a real pleasure talking with you today. Um, before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, uh, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Well, thank you so much. I, um, it's been such a pleasure. I'm such a fan and, it, and it's so, it's a real honor to be on. Thank you for that. Um, you can find me on my website, HeidiDulaban.com. Um, and I'm on all the social channels and we do have a very neat event coming up on August the 12th. We do a series of what we call fireside chats. And each one has a different topic. This one's going to be incredibly interesting. It is, uh, the title is Investing in Women, the Ultimate Culture Move. We have three outstanding top women executives from across the country. Um, it, there's no charge for this. You can, um, well, you can sign up on my website and through LinkedIn. So please just Google me, look for me, HeidiDulaban.com and you will find everything. And I hope that you can join us for the fireside chat and, and anything else. Um, I'd love to stay connected and help you in any way because this is really what I wanna do is help people advance in their careers and their lives. Wonderful, thank you, Heidi. It has been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Heidi can do for you. Check out the upcoming fireside chat event uh, and the other upcoming events uh, with Heidi and her team. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you have a great week. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.